This is Purple Radio On Demand. Welcome to a special episode of the podcast Pop Talk, where four friends talk European football over alcohol. My name is Gabriel Radis and I'm here with Charlie Dunn, our Liga specialist, Archie Hodgson, who knows everything there is to know about Scottish football, and Mattia Ryden, calling him from Madrid to fill us in on the happenings of Liga. You can get in touch with us with any questions or comments for the panel by emailing us at pubtalkfootball at yahoo.com. Today we're back at Charlie's apartment, more than anything because I think his chairs are more comfortable than mine. Um, so thank you for having us again, Charlie. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to have you both back in oh. my apartment. Thank you. Too kind. <laughs> and uh, it was Archie's um, turn to bring, to bring a wee dram today. But um, he went to M&S in Paris, which is slightly <laughs> shocking in itself, um, and couldn't find his beloved uh, Brewdog Punk IPA. So um, he just decided to not turn up with it. So we are a podcast that prides ourselves on drinking alcohol, but... We are I mean, water all round. We're water all round, just this once. <laughs> That's right. I mean, in an attempt to perpetuate the myth that I'm Scottish, I was going to bring a wee, wee taste of home. But uh, as you said, I've been left empty-handed, which I'm sure is a thing Danny will know very well as an Arsenal fan. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just not oh, only wow. as an Arsenal fan, but yeah, somewhere else. Oh. <laughs> and we have, um, as I said, we have Mathieu on the phone. How are you doing, Mathieu? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, good. Uh, unfortunately, not in the studio with us. Although we do have... Uh, a rogue uh, culinary expert behind us in the uh, in the kitchen in our studio. Um, so if you hear a sizzle, then uh, that's why. Um, just a chicken. Um, so we're recording a double bill today, um, and straight after we recorded this slightly shorter transfer-focused episode, we'll be recording our roundup of the weekend's fixtures, uh, where we'll tackle any non-transfer-related questions that we received. So let's get on with the show. Um, so the Scottish Premier League is probably one of the most exciting leagues during the winter transfer window, particularly on deadline day, I guess, Arch, because you have so many changes, so many moves across borders and, and, and sort of in, in between intra clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, considering, I guess, that the, the, the fees are quite low. Um, perhaps the one that was most interesting to you was uh, the story behind a, a Mr. Camperi switch from a, a particular team in green to a, a, a side playing in the old firm. Um, why don't you tell us, tell us about well, that? First of all, Scottish football and exciting are not words that usually come in the same sentence, so that's a, a good start. But yeah, I'll probably, I'll probably give you the, the PG version of uh, the rant I had uh, with you uh, on, on Friday evening. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, um, due to uh, Jermaine Defoe's injury last week for Rangers, they've, they've had to dip into the, the transfer market and they uh, identified Hibbs' Florian Canberra as, as their number one target. To be honest with you, Canberra is a a player who's been somewhat on the fringes for Hibs this season. Um, He's not been starting in recent weeks. So I was kind of surprised that that Canberra um, was their their number one target. But once he did make the the move to to Ibrox, which was confirmed uh, very late on on deadline day, he came out with a very controversial statement in which he, he said that in the, the very first game that he played for Hibs, which was at Ibrox against Rangers, he came off the pitch raving to his agent about the atmosphere and uh, claiming that he, that was his number one priority to play at that stadium every single week in front of those fans. Now, 
This would be bad enough if he was going to Rangers on a permanent transfer, but unfortunately, Flo Canberra has to come back to Hibs next season at the end of his loan. So I think that's going to be an interesting one, and he's he's going to perhaps be made to to rue those words. Um, but Hibs are going to to Ibrox to play Rangers on Wednesday night, and due to to um, Flo Canberra being a Hibs player, he won't be allowed to play, which is probably just as well because he'd be receiving pelters all night long. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think it's um it's a really tough one, I guess. I mean, going on loan, you see that quite a lot often when like you have players saying it's my dream to play here or I'm so excited to start my new journey here and it's almost like you may well you saw that I guess with that I mean we don't really talk about the, the Prem but I guess with the Serie A and Alex, Alexis Sanchez going to Inter Milan and then Solskjaer saying, Oh, we might take him back but he's kinda of like I don't know, setting up in there, so it's a, it's a slightly odd one. A probably poor form from Canberra, I think. And I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hibs made three other. They made three signings in total on, the, on Deadline Day as well as well, as well as losing Canberra. Um, what do you make of their signings? And not only just on Deadline Day, but um, across the whole window. Uh, yeah, well, as you as you just said, Deadline Day was very busy at Easter Road. Um, obviously, we we had Canberra going uh, along the M8 to to Rangers. Uh, so we, yeah, the priority for us was to to bring a striker in, and we've managed to secure the services of Mark McNulty on loan from from Sunderland. He's actually a player who joined Hibs at this stage of the season last year and had a, a very successful spell. Uh, his goals fired us up into the the top half of the table, and um, as part of that that run, he actually earned himself um, a Scotland call up. So his hope will be that he can get back playing regular first team football at Hibs um, get back scoring and then force his way into to Steve Clark's plans um, and then I think last week we talked about Stephen McGinn uh, John McGinn's brother and he, he confirmed his move on deadline day which as I as I said last week was a, a pretty crucial signing because we, we've had a lot of injuries uh, to our defence so that's one that will shore up the, the back line and then the, the third signing was a player coming the other way from Rangers as part of the, the deal with, with Flo Canberra. So we signed Greg Doherty, who is um, he, he's a box-to-box midfielder in, in a very like, traditional sense. He's like, Last season, he, he spent on loan at Shrewsbury. He was their, their player of the season, got up into to double figures. But he's one of those players who's really prepared to roll up his sleeves and, and get stuck in. So he, he made his debut at, at the weekend, and I think it's clear that he's going to be a, a fan favourite and, and will hopefully uh, like contribute a, a lot uh, in the, the closing stages of the season. Mm-hmm. And, and looking at Canberra, I guess, on the other side of it, on the other side of the coin, uh, Charlie, uh, Rangers now have him on loan for the rest of the season uh, in an attempt to help boost their title push. Um, which do you, which of the two sides, which of the two old firm sides did the best business or did not, or by not doing any business or, or by doing lots of business there? Uh, in the in the winter transfer window, and uh, do you think the capture of Canberra will be enough to throw a cat amongst the pigeons uh, for in Rangers title push? I, I will guess to at least scare Celtic, who now seem to be cantering quite along quite nicely. Yeah, well, I mean, Celtic were unable to add to their squad over the period, despite several deals looking promising, uh, notably that of Atsu from Newcastle before the winger decided against the move. Um, the need for a winger um, seems to come following Lewis Morgan's departure to Inter Miami. Although I don't think that that uh, departure will hurt Celtic, particularly given how they've been setting up recently, playing three at the back with wing-backs as opposed to traditional wingers. And in uh, Morgan's two years at Celtic, he failed to establish himself as a regular. And in fact, he spent the second half of last season on loan at Sunderland. Um, Celtic have also been able to rely upon the scintillating form of James Forrest, who already has 10 goals and 11 assists in the league alone. Um, Looking forward, though, to the summer, 
a long-term uh, Celtic target could become available, Ivan Tony, um, who supposedly will be sold if Peterborough failed to gain promotion from League One, according to their club chairman, um, which could then solve for Celtic's problem should Edward leave Celtic in the summer, as many predict him to do, and to make that next level, whether that be to follow Dembele to French football or potentially a move down south to the Premier League. Yeah. Um, for Rangers, I'd say it appears as though it was a relatively successful window, obviously as Archie touched upon. Following the injury to the foe, they needed reinforcements up top to ease the burden on Morelos, who himself already has 12 goals this season. Um, but I'd say potentially surprising for both clubs is that neither made a move for the relatively highly rated 28-year-old Liam Boyce to provide covers for their respective first-choice strikers. Um, and Boyce himself ended up signing for Heart of Midlothian during the window. Um, and it's not going to be his first venture into Scottish football, having been on the books for three years between 2014 and 2017. Yeah. But I think as we've touched on previously, the key for Rangers was keeping Morelos, which they've managed to do. And I think Celtic preferred dealing in the summer with potentially some bigger moves and looking slightly more longer term. Yeah. And I think when, which seems more likely than an if, Edward does leave, that's when Celtic will really need to rethink, rebuild and plan for the future. Yeah, you, t- you touched on obviously Edward and, and he has been in Cincinnati form. We'll look at that in the other podcast that we record after this. Um, if we turn our attention now to the bottom of the table here uh, in the Scottish Premier League, in the bottom third it's getting rather tight. Um, all sides have played 24 games. Uh, Ross County are ninth um, on 22 points. St Mirren uh, just a point behind on 21. And then the re- relegation playoff place is now Hearts on 18 and joint, um, joint with that below them on goal difference is Hamilton Academical on 18 points um, actually which uh, side did the best business to try and help them get out of the uh, of this relegation mire because it's rather tight it's uh, obviously only four points between those four sides and in effect only one has to go down so yeah well I, th- I think regardless of, of the relegation battle Hearts have done the, the best business in, in the league during this, this transfer window I don't think anyone's got any, any doubts about that um, as, as Charlie alluded to, Liam Boyce is actually a player that, that the old firm could probably be considering. I mean, as we've touched on, Jermaine Defoe is going to be out for the next five or six weeks, and he's been incredibly um, um, incredibly lethal in front of the goal this season. He's he's a, the top scorer for Rangers ahead of Morelos, whereas Canberra is a player who's only scored three goals all season. He's just he's just not. Um, a striker who who will score the same goals that, that or the same number of goals that Defoe has, and Liam, Liam Boyce, as he's proved in the first two games since he's come back to to college football, he's he scored two goals in two games, and I really do believe that that his goals combined with the the attacking prowess of Stephen Naismith will get Hearts up the table, and actually they could even push for for a top six spot. Um, in and around them. Hamilton have, have made a really good signing on the final day with uh, David Templeton, who is a player who was previously on their books. Um, in his last spell at the club, it was his goals and creative spark really that helped to keep them in the league. And they'll be hoping that, that um, this time around he'll, he'll be able to produce the same magic. But potentially the, the most interesting story of the day came uh, at Rugby Park as defender Kirk Broadfoot made the return from St Mirren to Kilmarnock and actually paid his own transfer fee. That's how desperate he was to get wow. this move through. How much I mean, that? that was £50,000 out of his, his own pocket. In Scottish football terms, it's, it's quite a lot of money. But I, I suppose this is a story that could only really happen in Scotland. Yeah. Uh, but obviously that, that's a, an interesting one 
because he, he was actually at Kilmarnock at the start of the season had a massive fallout with Angelo Alessio mm-hmm. who's since departed the Ayrshire club um, and now under Alex Dyer who was Steve Clark's assistant at Kilmarnock he's, he's returned and, and in the process massively strengthened Kilmarnock and, and weakened uh, yeah. St Mirren who also had McGinn going, going along to, to Easter Road so St Mirren are looking pretty weak defensively and, and they're possibly the, the prime candidates to go down now mm. Um, one player that definitely didn't pay his uh, loan signing fee um, was Yannick Carrasco, who obviously didn't move to the Scottish Premiership. But um, what I, mean, made I, I hear Hibs win for him. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, but I think Atletico Madrid might have just picked them. I'm afraid, Arch. Sorry. Um, Yannick Carrasco, who did uh, used to play for Atletico, um, returned to his old club uh, from Chinese club Dalian Pro. Um, he made the loan move quite late on in the transfer window I think it might have even been on transfer deadline day he was linked to go into the, uh, go to the Premier League he opted to go to back to Spain um, Mathieu do you think that's a good signing do you think that will really help them because at the moment they're kind of floundering um, and so they kind of do need some reinforcements but is he the right man I think well if he's the right man or not I'm not sure um, but for a transfer deadline day signing I think he's he's definitely cause for hope uh, for Atletico I think they need someone like him who can who can bring in a bit of, of flair a bit of speed um, and so to make you know, to make a difference in a game and to, to be decisive and critical um, and in fact he was straight into the group and, and straight onto the bench um, in the in the derby against Real Madrid and came on um, and showed some promising signs I think the big doubt is that he's been now I think it's been two years um, in China I think he moved in, 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 in the winter of 2018 um, and so the question is, what he, how, what kind of level he can he can keep after two years in the Chinese league? But what he showed at the Bernabeu um, on Saturday was really encouraging. I think he could he could be a difference maker for Atletico if they to try and save their season. Yeah, um, they are pushing really hard with um, sides alongside like Villarreal, for example, to try and get those last Champions League spots because it is. It, it does seem pretty clear that this season it will be between Real and, and Barca as it so often is um, but there are a host of sides in, in, in the forms of Getafe um, Valencia Villarreal to name a few that have tried to bolster in the winter transfer window in order to strengthen their credentials for Champions League football for next year one of those sides is Villarreal um, who currently sits 7th um, but they signed Paco Alcacer who's only 26 years old he's been around for, for a while he returned to the Spain having played uh, at Borussia Dortmund for a couple of years now, and I mean, incredibly successful since 2017. Um, for a, uh, to be fair, not, a, not an enormous sum of 22 million euros. Are, I mean, um, there are players that go for far more. Um, Charlie, how helpful do you think that'll be for Villarreal in, in terms of trying to ask, like, try to reach for those European places? Well, I think it's a move that will suit both the player and the club, given Dortmund's signing of Haaland, um, and he took to that league like a duck to water. It was clear that Alcacer was going to struggle for game time. And so a return to a relatively familiar league should be a good decision for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and despite falling down the pecking order at Dortmund, he still managed to average a goal every two games or so, which is not a bad return. And no doubt Villarreal will be looking um, for him to use his knowledge and goal-scoring prowess to spearhead their charge towards European football come the end of the season. As you touched upon, they're, they're in seventh place, so would enter Europa League qualifying, but they're only two points away from a guaranteed place in the Europa League and only five away from the Champions League itself. So it'll be interesting to see how quickly Alcacer uh, settles back into La Liga um, and if he can get back to his goal-scoring ways. And as you touched upon, it seems remarkable that Alcacer is only 26, 
given he's now into his 10th season of top flight football and has played for some of the biggest clubs in the world like Barcelona and also Borussia Dortmund. And so longer term, it could prove to be a very shrewd signing by Villarreal, given 22 million euros is a fairly insignificant amount for a proven goal scorer in today's market. Yeah, and, and as Don said, um, this really is a, a move that, that suits both parties, uh, especially with, with a view to the European Championships this summer. Paco Alcatel, he needs to be playing uh, regularly in order to, to work his way into the thoughts of, of Luis Enrique. And for Villarreal now, they're, first of all, they're in exceptional form. They've won nine of their last ten games in all competitions. And I think when you add the goals of Alcatel to Gerard Moreno, the Spanish international striker, they've probably got one of the best attacks in the league and they will really be looking to push up and and uh, finish finish in, in probably the top four. Yeah, it does look to see. Uh, it does look as if they are sort of going for attack as the best form of defence. Their defence is league, to say the least. They've conceded 30 goals in the league. But they've scored the third most amount of goals just behind, obviously, Barca and then Real. So, I mean, with 39 goals, that's pretty good going. And I guess Alcacer will only help that, um, and he did on the weekend, as we will discuss later on. Um, Mathieu, obviously, you're in Madrid. Um, and we touched on uh, on the signing of this player a, a few weeks ago, um, when we started, actually, uh, on 18-year-old Renier and his twenty-seven and uh, the £27 million pound move of um, the player t- from Flamengo to Real Madrid. Um, has he been able to make much of a, an impact in the squad? Has he uh, has he played much? Is it, do you think he'll he'll figure heavily, or is he one very much for the future? I think it's it's, it's always hard to predict with, with Real Madrid um, with with how much impact a young player can make. Um, they do have a quite young squad of lots of players who who play in a similar position who are there fighting for a spot. So Vinicius Junior and even Jovic, if you want to count him as a as a young player. Um, are in and out of the team um, are struggling I can't really see Renier properly making an impact just this year um, I think he's very much one for the future um, one of the exceptions to the rule of Real Madrid youngsters struggling at the start is, is Balverde who has been unbelievable and who's already a fan favourite and who's a, you know, he's, he's in starting 11 every game I'll be interested to see Renier and I think he, he might make an appearance or two um, but I'd be surprised if his impact um, happens this season I think he's he's very much one for for the next season or in two seasons' time to properly blossom. Um, yeah. But it's interesting to keep an eye out on him. Yeah, and I think I mean to be fair, we'll talk about this again later on. But it is it's this was documented that Real's defence is so so strong that they've not had to necessarily rely on on, on the strength of their attack as much as as they may have had to done in in previous seasons. Um, there is what we we should have a look at Valencia as well, who um who. Are also just sitting just below um, uh, those top four spaces and the and the capture of it seems like quite a shrewd signing of Florenzi on loan, uh, the Roma captain. Um, do you um, yeah? But what, what are your thoughts on that, Charlie? I mean, <laughs> I just looked at Archie to, to to provide some insight, and he just gave me a massive shrug. So swing, swing that over to Charlie. Oh, yeah. under the bus. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I'd say at face value, it looks like a fantastic signing. It's a player who's been around the block and a move that should suit both parties. Um, again, like Archie touched upon previously, I've no doubt that Florenzi's pushed the move to ensure he remained a part of Italy's national squad heading into the Euros, which are obviously only four months away, having fallen down the pecking order under Fonseca. Um, and it's a view that's only strengthened given the short-term nature of the deal in terms of its six-month and there's no bonuses or obligations within that deal. Um, I'd suggest that in many ways Valencia and Roma are both fairly similar. 
They'll be in a dogfight for Champions League places with Valencia battling it out against the likes of Sevilla, Atletico, Sociedad, Villarreal and Bilbao. Um, and Valencia's formation should also suit Florenzi, the traditional 4-4-2 that they adopt, avoiding three opportunities to get a place in the starting lineup on either flank as well as at right back. Um, and Valencia are also not only fighting for those Champions League qualifications, but they're still in the Copa del Rey playing Granada tomorrow night. So he should get that game time, which should mean he gets into and is part of Italy's squad heading into the Euros next summer or this yeah. summer. And uh, I guess while we're on the subject of Italy, um, we should probably turn our attention to Syria um, and uh, and their transfer business over the past um, month or so. Um, you, I, I guess in, in, in the English media, the club that springs to mind when we think about um, the winter transfer window this season uh, is very much Internazionale into Milan. Um, who, in a in quite an obvious attempt to back uh, manager Antonio Conte and to um, to push Juve all the way at the, in the title race, have spent some considerable amount of money or, or, or attracted some serious names uh, to the club. Um, it's not so much about the money per se as, as the as probably the quantity of signings and then obviously the wages that that, are, that come with that. Um, their net spend isn't actually that large because they spent because they sold uh, Gabriel Barbosa to Flamengo. Um, so they actually they spend only forty five thousand pounds, but actually if they spent the money wisely in in accruing all these sort of quite old older sort of English talents. I think first and foremost, Inter Milan made a real statement of intent with their their business during the the January transfer window, and I think Juventus supporters will will be looking over their shoulders. The gap's only three points at this stage, and Inter Milan are in exceptionally good form. And I'm actually surprised Juventus themselves haven't dipped into the, the transfer market as much as Inter because they're, they're going for, I think it's a, the ninth title in a row now. Um, and, and I think that's in, in serious doubt with not only Inter, but, but also Lazio seemingly winning pretty much every weekend and, and really uh, helping to, to set a, a formidable pace in the league. Um, so I, I think the, the, the Italian title race is probably the most interesting in Europe this season as we'll, we'll go on to discuss in, in the, the full episode um, but yeah it, it seems like Inter Milan have, have made some really good additions to, sum, to supplement what was a, a successful um, summer transfer window as well I mean, you, you see um, Lukaku scores two goals again at the weekend as, as they win 2-0 uh, at, at Udinese and uh, you would think with the likes of Christian Eriksen now on, on their books, he's only going to get more opportunities to, to put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, no. um, another signing that is quite um, interesting in terms of at the top of the table, um, obviously Inter's major title rivals and, and the side that are the only side that are above them are is Juventus. Uh, Juventus made one signing in the uh, in the winter transfer window, the signing of Kulusevski uh, from Atalanta. Uh, Matteo, what do you make of him? Uh, he could be he could be really exciting. I think he's a he's a really great signing for Juventus. Um, they've made a good decision in in letting him finish his season at Palm because um, he's a he was an Atalanta player. He was on loan to Palm and will finish that season there and then go to Juve. Um, he's a, I think he, he's a re, he's re, I think he's only nineteen. I'm not sure about that, but yeah. he's definitely young. Um, and I've seen him mainly play as a right winger, which I believe is where he plays most of the time. And he's He's one of those players who just looks like he has more time on the ball than, than other players. Um, and in the, fi- in the in the final third, he always finds that killer pass. He's a, he's a good finisher. He's, he's explosive. So he could be he could be a real future gem for Juventus. And, and rumours out of Italy 
uh, of people who do see him week in, week out. Um, seem very excited about him. So one to keep an eye on. Yeah, definitely. Um, talking about, I guess, Juventus looking at tr- trying to rejuvenate their squad a bit. Obviously, he's a young player, 19 years old. Um, they signed, I, spent, I think they spent quite a lot of money on him, about 30 million euros or pounds. Um, uh, accruing 35 million euros uh, trying to trying to get his, his well getting a signature so it's a significant amount of money for for an Italian club to spend um, considering how much uh, I guess Inter haggled over Spurs for 17 million for for Christian Eriksen so their hope is that he will spearhead what I guess is is quite a needed rejuvenation of that squad they do have some younger players coming through in the likes of uh, for example, Dybala, but um, they do. They are very much spearheaded, and 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 their their entire sort of spine is is, is uh, hallmarked by all the players. Another team in in Europe that are also looking to um, massively rejuvenate their side. Um, the average age of the of the team is about twenty five, but they they spent a significant amount of money trying to reduce that in in the winter transfer window. Is uh, Hertha Berlin? They spent seventy million pounds um, this uh, this window. Uh, which is an enormous amount of money for a Bundesliga side. Um, with uh, with Jürgen Klinsmann trying to stamp his mark on 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 effectively his trying to make his team. Um, one of these is particularly interesting to Mathieu, um, and that is uh, Toussaint, who comes from uh, who comes from Lyon. They signed him for twenty two and a half million, and they loaned him straight back. Now, he, I know remember you mentioned it. I think maybe a week or so ago about how this is brilliant business, brilliant business for uh, Lyon. Uh, is there any uh, silver lining for for Hertha, or have they really been robbed? Honestly, I mean, I, I just can't believe we've managed to pull that off. Um, we just talked about Ericsson going for 17 million. Um, we managed to sell Tuzar for more money than we bought Bruno Gamares for. Um, and the fact that we have him loaned back is a lifesaver for us. One thing that there is to say, he is not a very technically gifted player, um, but he does have a lot of experience for his age. Um, he has played a lot of Champions League games. Um, and I, I, I don't know, maybe in the Bundesliga he could he could make an impact. Um, however, for that much money, I, it's, it's an absolute godsend for Leon. Um, and I, I wish him all the best at, at Berlin, but I feel like they have been robbed. Yeah, no, and I think what is quite obvious here with, um, with Hertha's dealings is that they seem to pay over the odds for quite a few players. They spent 24.3, they, pr- uh, they priced out Spurs the um, Piatek from Milan, uh, 24.3 million pounds, um, which is a significant amount of money for a player that only really has had one, you know, albeit an incredible season with Genoa, but otherwise has really struggled to, to find any rhythm uh, at um, at Milan, where he then moved on to. Um, they also signed Cunha from uh, Red Bull Leipzig for 13.5 million, and Askasibar from Five Blues Stuttgart for 9.9 million, which is actually for Stuttgart pretty pretty damning uh, in their attempts to get to get promotion into the Bundesliga but um, in terms of as Askasibar as, uh, as, as a as a Bundesliga player you'll definitely need some time to, to, to blood in so it will be a difficult transition period I guess for Jürgen Klinsmann's side um, the hope is that they um, that these kids can kind of get a little bit of experience so that they stay up and, and kind of finish mid-table and then push on from there because they really are looking to her to want to build a powerhouse um, in uh, uh, in Germany because at the moment we, there's, there's just an anomaly that Berlin doesn't really have a major they're, they're football mad but they don't have a major strong side with, with an amazing uh, pedigree interestingly so Cunha was sold for 13.5 million pounds from Leipzig and Leipzig then reinvested that money 
um, or uh, and then some into signing Danny Olmo uh, for eighteen million pounds. Uh, Archie, was that a good bit of business? So I looked on transfer market and his market value is thirty one and a half million. So. How has he been playing? I know he's been signed from Dinamo Zagreb. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. To us, I think this this is one of the, the most exciting transfers of the the January window, certainly in, in Germany. Uh, Daniel Moore is a very very highly rated young attacking midfielder, and um, so highly rated that despite playing his trade in the the Croatian leagues, as you were mentioning, he's earned his first uh, call up for the, the Spain national team. Um, back back in November, and he marked that occasion with a goal and a, a qualifying win against Malta. Um, I, as you remember from earlier in the season, Dinamo Zagreb um, were in Manchester City's um, Champions League group, and uh, Olmo was he was probably the, the key man in in my view in them actually getting through qualifying, scoring three goals and and registering three assists in in the six games that took them to the group stages. And he, he carried that form into the, the group stages themselves, um, scoring a goal against Manchester City. Um, at only 21 years old, he, he's actually a, a player who's amassed a lot of experience and also a, a winning knack. He's already won four Croatian titles, three Croatian Cups, as well as the, the under-21 European Championships with Spain last summer. And he was actually named Croatian, the, the Croatian League's Player of the Season um, that year. So th- this is a, a move that I think Dino, uh, uh, sorry, Red Bull uh, Leipzig fans should be very excited about. He, he made his debut at the weekend in the, the draw against Borussia Mönchengladbach and I think he, he's a player who um, they'll, they'll be hoping will get them uh, back on track after kind of, uh, stalling a little bit in, in recent weeks. Yeah, I, I, he did make a, a significant stir, as you say, in the, in, the, in the winter transfer window in Germany. The other obvious... Um, uh, area to look at in terms of making a stir um, was is Dortmund really Dortmund have made a, a significant uh, transfer signings in the in the winter in the winter window which has been hallmarked by Erling Haaland as everyone has been talking about scoring an unbelievable amount of goals he's already the tenth top goal scorer in the Bundesliga he's only played three games it's just phenomenal um, and he's not even started those three games he started one uh, and hasn't finished a full ninety minutes so what uh, Dortmund did really was they offloaded three players in Paco Alcacer, Julian Weigel to Benfica, Paco to, uh, Paco to um, Villarreal and Brun Larsen uh, who they sold to uh, another German side whose name escapes me, I think it's Bremen um, uh, and uh, and what they did was they then in terms of Paco being a striker, Julian Weigel being a defensive midfielder and Brun Larsen being an attacking midfielder, they have rejuvenated that entire those each position by bringing in a completely a new set of three players. They brought up Rayner from the under 19s, who's an attacking midfielder, to replace Brun Larson, um, and that was obviously for free. Uh, Haaland for 18 million, um, and they brought Chan in, uh, Emre Chan, on loan from Juventus, who's had a bit of a stuttering start to life in Juventus after moving from Liverpool. That and all for a 27 million pound. Uh, Transfer surplus, considering Chan's alone and Rainer uh, was free. Provide, I, I, I guess you could argue is the best transfer business that any side in Europe has actually done across the whole, um, across all, all five leagues that we that we took, that we look at. In part because Haaland, I mean Haaland has been excellent. He's young. He's eighteen million is a snip for a player who has such great quality as he does. Chan also stuttering, uh, stuttering starts at Juventus and not being great, but has also shown that he's not only versatile 
but Kat has reached some very high standards and um, for Liverpool and and in parts and times for for Juventus. So it's very interesting to see how that how that goes and and Bayern Munich to to counter that the side that are obviously the major side in in, in Germany um, made one addition to their side, which is Odrio Thola from Real Madrid on loan. Um, a young player as well. Um, whether they look to make that permanent uh, or maybe they're just bolstering the squad, I guess it remains to be seen. He will probably feature a little bit, but not um, too heavily. We touched on Hertha and Leon selling uh, Toussaint to Hertha. Overall, aside from Toussaint, I guess, but it, uh, I guess he is intrinsically a part of that, uh, of the, this question. Did Leon have a good uh, winter transfer window in general, um, Mathieu? We had an exciting one. Um, globally speaking, though, um, it was a bit damned by the fact that we didn't manage to sign a centre-back or a left-back. Um, that's quite worrying because our centre-back signing from the summer, Anderson, has, has not really settled in from his move from Sampdoria. He's our record signing and he's really struggled. Um, and, and I think that could be a big issue in the second half of the season. We, we have a lot of games on the horizon. We're still in all the competitions. Um, but up front in the midfield, it was a dream. I mean, Bruno Guimaraes, I feel like I talk about him every week. He's like putting the on shirt on, yeah. He's still in the Olympic qualifying with Brazil for under-23s. Um, but so excited about him. And Toko Akambi from Villarreal, who, who basically was why they wanted to sign Alcacer. Um, they did some really good business there, by the way, because they sold Toko Akambi for more or less the same amount of money that they bought in Paco for. Um, but Toko Kami's got two and two games um, in the, and he's playing on the wing which isn't really his position um, but good luck moving Dembele out of the, the number nine role um, so Toko Kambi playing out of position two goals in two games so for the moment pretty satisfying um, but we'll have to see we also signed a, a midfielder Camilo from um, Brazil but he will be playing with the, with the B team um, for now he's very young but it was an exciting one um, but I hope we don't lament the fact that we didn't buy a defensive a defender. Yeah, and uh, around the rest of the the, the league, I guess um, the one that caught my eye when I was looking at the um, the various different signings was Bordeaux's capture of Rams uh, right winger Remy Udin um, for I guess it's quite a hefty fee, um, nine million pounds. It's a lot of money, I guess, in the French league. Um, do you think that's a shrewd bit of business as, as he benefited his his career and have? Both sides got the best side of the coin in, in terms of Ram getting a, a significant transfer fee and Bordeaux getting a good a, a good young player. Yeah, I really do think so. Um, he's a, he's got quite a lot of experience in League One. He's a typical League One kind of striker um, who can get you 10 to 15 goals in a season, um, and it's a good move to him. Bordeaux have got some new investors from America, um, and they're looking to really build their team. Um, I think that's, that it's just a win-win for everyone, um, and we'll, we'll see. It was a really quiet transfer window in France, and that was really the standout, apart from Bruno Guimaraes at Lyon. Um, but that's a typical League One transfer, um, and one that Bordeaux, I think, will be really happy about. Excellent stuff. Um, and the other ones that caught my eye uh, was Nice bringing in highly rated young right back Wagwe. Wagwe? Is that how you, would you, would you say that? Wagwe? Wagwe. Wagwe. I'd say Wagwe. Yeah. Wagwe. Wagwe. Um, that U is uh, confusing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on loan from Barcelona. Uh, Charlie, what do you make of that signing? Um, I think it's quite a good signing. I mean, he's clearly a kid with a lot of talent. He's only 21 and he made his debut um, in La Liga last April and he was promoted to their first team ahead of the 1920 campaign. He's already started a couple of league and Champions League matches. Um, but Nice confirmed 
that they've signed him with an option for a permanent deal at the end of the season, which is only 10 million euros plus about 500,000 add-ons. But as part of that agreement, Barcelona have the right to trigger a 15 million euro buyback clause in the deal up until June 2021. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out longer term, whether he settles in and Nice want to make that deal permanent. And then from there, whether Barcelona, because obviously they've got quite an aging right back in Dani Alves, although they've tried to replace it, they may think, um, or they may want to bring him back in. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out longer term. But I think for the moment, it's probably good for both parties. He'll get a lot of game time and he's clearly a kid with a lot of talent. Um, so it should work out quite well for him. Yeah, I, I agree to it as well. Um, and I guess that's that's all we have time for, really, on the, on the transfer front. I mean, I think we've touched on everything. Has anyone got a, a particular transfer that we've not discussed um, that they reckon is the best uh, bit of business? I mean, if, if we're staying on the, the topic of the, the French League, it's it's not um, an arrival. But I think Monaco, given their huge expenditure in the summer, is over 50 million euros. Um, they, they've had a pretty uninspiring season so far, currently sitting in 13th place in the league. Um, but I, th- I think the, the, best, um, the, the, the best piece of business, I want to say, uh, that they've done this January is actually holding on to their, their top striker, prized asset, ben, uh, Wizen Ben Yedder. Um, who Barcelona actually were, were making inquiries about following the injury to Luis Suarez. Uh, ben Yedder, he's, he's a player who, who knows the, the French League very well, having racked up over 70 goals in his time at Toulouse before making the move to, to La Liga with Sevilla. Um, and he, he's hit the ground running this season at Monaco, scoring 15 goals in 20 appearances. So I think he's he's the key player in, in them um, kind of re- um, and then kind of climbing up the table because although they are in 13th they're only five points off the the uh, the European places so it is, it is still possible for them to to recover yeah no I agree Charlie I'd rather just correct myself more than anything as I have realised that Alves does not play for Barcelona <laughs> and it's in fact Nelson Semedo or Sergio Roberto but the point still stands in terms that they don't really have an established right back since Alves' departure but I would like just to clear that one up. It was a it was a long weekend, big yeah, weekend. It was a long weekend. The rugby took its toll. I can attest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Mathieu, any any other signings that, that, that caught your eye? Uh, to be honest, I feel like we've we've covered most of them. Yes. Um, it's been it's been a characteristically um, dull uh, transfer window in terms of. Uh, comparing to the past so I'm looking forward to the summer I think we've got a lot of surprises yeah, uh, think, coming our way in the summer I think we are too uh, I think that's that's where the, that's where the fun starts uh, my thanks to Charlie Archie and Mathieu for uh, for this episode for their insight Purple Radio Podcasts thanks for downloading this Purple Radio Podcast for more great content and to listen live head to purpleradio.co.uk